You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. My name is Chris Spangle. It is so great to have you with us. Today we are talking to Zach Carter of the Free and Equal Election Foundation. Great organization. They're having a big festival this weekend called United We Stand. We're going to learn more about that and their efforts to increase free and equal elections. It's all in the name. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Warning. This show is for adults by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media. What? Oh, I messed the bit up. I messed the bit up. Welcome to the show! Thank you to Hody for giving me my own microphone. Uh, my fiance went out and visited Hody, host of Enemy of My Enemy. Uh, not, not, she was there in town and then met Hody. It wasn't, uh, a rendezvous, if you will. Uh, and she, he's so nice. Hody's one of the nicest people ever. You'll hear that if you listen to his show. And he donated, like, thousands. I have always wanted my own megaphone. And uh, I, I'm so excited because he donated thousands of his points from Dave and Buster's to get me a megaphone. So thank you to him. Make sure you go check out his show. It is a great show. Also want to uh, announce that the Profiles on Liberty podcast with Caleb Franz is now available. The first episode is up. It is easily the most successful launch of a new show we've ever had. Uh, tons of downloads already. So it is uh, already taking off. So make sure you check that out. And we before we begin every show by thanking our Wall Plus members. You can join Wall Plus and get all kind of great benefits like uh, ad-free shows. You can get the entire back catalog. There's a thousand episodes that uh, you can hear in the back catalogs. You can only get less than 500 right now, so you're missing out. Uh, if you're not a Wall Plus member, you get uh, merch, all kinds of different things. So go check that out at it's WAL, join WALplus.com. And we want to thank especially our $100 a month members John Pusillo, Casey Feldposh, Lars Nordskog, Jakey Dell, Matthew Durbin, Reinhold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. And we thank all of our Wall Plus subscribers for keeping this going and helping new creators like Hody and like Caleb Franz uh, in business. And listen, as organic reach has died, just completely crashed uh, over the last few years on social media, and now social media is a pay-to-play game, 
We've got to find ways to launch new creators and give them a larger uh, voice and help them get basically accelerate their audience growth so they're not just out there trying to cut through the noise on their own. And that is part of the We Are Libertarians podcast network, and it only happens because of our wall patrons. Now, let's get on with the show. We have uh, a guest with us, uh, and but we always start with introducing Harry Price. Harry, how are you? Going good, going good. Um, as you can see behind me, my office is in a bit of disarray. I'm actually setting things up, so it's a little different. Yes, it looks like a gamer's uh, spare bedroom. Yeah, and I've got the, uh, and I finally got foam, you know, acoustic foam. My spangle kid been yelling at me for, yes, I think a year now. Yeah, it's bouncy. That I need to- you need to get some LED lights in there and just make it look like a big production. Yeah, yeah, so it's going to, well, you see I've got the big box lamp in the back, so I've got the light in front and the box lamp there, but I haven't, I haven't, I won't wire anything until I get all the uh, cable management done. I know, you two, by, your, your production, Reinhold, your production value is just as low as Harry's. You know, this is, <laughs> the, this is the premier podcast network for libertarians. We are the gold standard. We are the Roger Penske of Libertarian Podcast Networks, mainly because we're the only one. But Oops. you two we need to step up. Hospice. We are a hospice for podcasters. That's right. <laughs> Harry's late on getting his stuff together because he had the special order of the phone that matches the color of the purple of the wall and the aesthetic he's going for, right? Yeah. Reinhold, why are you wearing a Hawaiian shirt? Uh, the high priest uh, of libertarianism hear, this week said you're not allowed to do that. What are you doing? This is high, this is high fashion. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, looks, a, looks you know, high it's fashion. A special, you know, July 4th weekend, we got to dress up. So I thought I'd go with the best stuff we had. So. Now, Zach Carter, we promise we... Uh, well, I wish we were more professional, but we appreciate you just working through the quirks and the 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 lateness and all the you know this guy's on in California right now, so it's like four a.m. where he's at right now uh, because he's out uh, out there for the United We Stand Festival for the Free and Equal Elections Foundation. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for joining us, and we apologize just for all of this unprofessionalism that we've had this morning. Uh, not not a problem at all. I love you guys, and uh, I wish I had a shirt like that to wear on stage this weekend. Well, just don't wear shorts and a Hawaiian t-shirt, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this this is correct. An unused green screen. Reinhold has. If you're not watching on the YouTube channel, you can watch every at ten fifteen Eastern every single Saturday morning, except when we're not here, like two weekends in July. Because we're not that professional, uh, but you can watch the YouTube, every YouTube. Uh, Reinhold has an unused green screen and probably lit by a cigarette smoke stain lamp he's had since the 70s. <laughs> so yeah, we, we, you, we lost you, Reinhold. We can't hear yet. So let's get down oh, to... About, go ahead. I was going to say, it's about as accurate as you can get without actually ha- being here and seeing the whole setup. <laughs> now, yeah. Zach, let's get down to business. Tell us what the free and equal elections, free and equal election foundation is. What is that? Yeah, uh, so founded back in 2008 uh, by Christina Tobin. She um, put together and moderated a third party presidential debate. She doesn't like me using that term, uh, open debate uh, between Ralph Nader and Chuck Baldwin. Uh, from the Constitution Party, it was on C-SPAN 2, and I probably watched by, you know, me and 20 other nerds, uh, and uh, I came along in, in 2012 after her and I had both worked for 
um, the same uh, Ron Paul event. And, um, you know, I, I gave her some ideas on what we could do if we combined what she had uh, done with the debates with celebrity. And I just dumb luck picked up the phone and, and started the ball rolling on hiring Larry King uh, to moderate a debate for us in 2012. Uh, we had Gary Johnson, Jill Stein, Virgil Good, and uh, Rocky Anderson from the Justice Party. But uh, yeah, enough people tuned in and watched that one that we trended in the top 10 on Twitter. Uh, Jimmy Kill made fun of us. Um, Lawrence O'Donnell and MSNBC, probably the first time, only time I'll, I'll ever agree with uh, you know, stuff that he said. Uh, but uh, yeah, absolute statement and support. All the Sunday shows talked about us. So mostly known for the debates that we do. Um, we have really huge plans for 2024 taking what we did, you know, back in 2012 with Larry King to a new level. Uh, but uh, we also do these festivals, uh, United We Stand festivals. Um, it uh, gives us an opportunity to have a little fun um, and make connections to help make these debates bigger. So is the goal to... Can we talk about the other debate commission for a second? If you, if you didn't listen to our episode... Yeah, if we didn't listen to our episode uh, back in the fall about the complete corruption of the other debate commission, I don't know if you're a debate commission, but you're you're a great organization that puts on uh, open debates that are a accessible to um, theoretically everyone. I'm sure you have some qualifications. I mean, are there qualifications to get into the debates that are organized by Free and Equal? They're definitely a lot easier than the commissions uh, to get through. <laughs> Um, I know back in 2012, we had limited it to um, candidates that were on enough ballots to hit that 270 number. Um, and we, we've, that, in, that gave us those four candidates. Um, I remember Roseanne Barr and her people were blowing up my phone and, and you know, really angry with us. And that was, that was a little terrifying. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. She seems a little scary. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, hey, <laughs> oh god! Right. So yeah, we, we've lowered it. I, I I think it's pretty much open to anybody that uh, uh, wants to be on our stage and is on a couple state ballots. Um, last year, um, I, I think. Christina started with somewhere around 20 candidates and, and had the, you know, went to the, the two night thing uh, and, uh, you know, has, hasn't uh, um, recreated the success we've had with that Larry King debate. But uh, she's had Ed Asner um, as a co-moderator who, you know, most people my age are younger, like who? <laughs> but, uh, you know, famous with the older generation, and uh, Professor Griff from Public Enemy has uh, uh, moderated with her as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the Commission on Presidential Debates, um, yeah, literally called uh, fraud upon the American people by the League of Women Voters who used to run the debates, right? And uh, yeah, they're 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 our target. We're out to replace them. Um, if uh, we get our way, uh, we, 
we uh, yeah hope to produce debates next time around that uh, get more viewers. Yeah, the I've, I've never had Christina Tobin on the show. I've been an admirer from afar. I mean, one of the the great things to come out of the Ron Paul movement. One of the great things about the Ron Paul movement, I guess I should say, is that it happened right at the beginning of social media. And so if you're uh, a free and equal, you're, uh, I mean, a lot of the, you know, young Americans for Liberty, I think Students for Liberty have been around a little longer, but they really got a shot in the arm. We are libertarians. The, our network came out of that. I mean, the, the development of new organizations out of that right at the beginning of social media that were able to build the kind of platforms that we've been able to build has have been incredible and christina's work has just been stellar uh and is always a great source for not just debates i mean that's not the only thing that i see her talk about what are what are some other things that uh free and equal does besides debates or is that your only focus it's definitely my nerdy focus um but uh we also have uh, an election app that uh She's definitely the expert on that we're building a blockchain-based uh, election app that people will be able to, uh, you know, see every candidate running uh, every uh, election. Um, and, uh, yeah, she also talks about ranked choice voting a lot. Uh, but, yeah, the, the debates are my nerdy passion. Um, my, my day job, I work behind the scenes with... Uh, Atlanta's former CBS anchor, Ben Swan. And uh, yeah, um, it's actually how, how I met Ben. We had hired him uh, to moderate a debate. And about an hour before we went live, he got a call from his network. They told him, if you go on stage, don't come to work tomorrow, you'll be fired. Jeez, wow. <laughs> so he was in the audience with me that night, and that's how we met. That's, uh, yeah. That's um, outrageous. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing just how controlled um, most you know broadcast journalists are by their contracts hmm, uh, yeah. that they sign with their networks, you know where they can and can't go and what they can and can't talk about. In your opinion, through your experience, why is the media so averse to opening debates? Um, yeah, hoping to break that one. Um, you know, we caused a uh, you know, bit of an international uh, incident, it seems, in the past. Um, you know, I, <laughs> so I, you're I, the I, extremist that I keep hearing about on Facebook, then. <laughs> I'm not on Facebook, but they might talk about me there. Well, that's, that's uh, but, the thing. Um, the extremists are not on Facebook anymore, which is why it's laughable. But anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, journalism, you know, here in Indiana, we have the Indiana Debate Commission, which is a, founded by the Indiana Journalism. And their standard is if you're a choice on the ballot, then you are in the debate. And we have automatic ballot access in Indiana. And I've never understood why the media, if you spend 50 grand on polling, why would you not add the person, uh, let's say you do a gubernatorial poll here in Indiana and you spend 50 grand on it as a Channel 13 NBC affiliate and you don't add the libertarian who is on the ballot, your poll is completely invalid. If you don't add the the libertarian or the Green Party or whatever part, person has qualified for the ballot, you're not giving complete information to the voters so why why is the media so averse 
to adding third party right. or, you know, or having open debates, I should say, to respect Christina's wishes. Yeah. And um, beyond that, uh, it, it's been proven that uh, if a candidate that is polling lower than that number is, is included in the debates, that they, they uh, can sometimes, you know, turn the tables and win, uh, a la Jesse Ventura, mm-hmm. uh, Minnesota. Uh, but, um, no, uh, you know, I, I've definitely, you know, spent a lot of time on hold and waiting for calls back from all of the major networks. And I, we, we have had, uh, um, uh, free speech TV, which is a, a progressive, uh, cable network, uh, link TV, same kind of deal. Uh, we've had C-SPAN, uh, we've had aura Larry King's production company. Uh, we've had the big internationals uh, because I, you know, couldn't get calls back from Fox or CBS uh, to um, Al Jazeera and Russia Today, uh, and uh, yeah, it was Russia Today that caused a bit of an international incident that was literally listed in the CIA's report of Russian election interference, and that <laughs> that came about by me calling RT and asking them to broadcast. Our, our debate, it wasn't the other way around. Uh, but uh, I'm hoping to, to kind of break that, um, uh, uh, that, that being excluded from, you know, the big times. Um, I know they're not huge, but PBS has expressed great interest in, in uh, broadcasting our next round of debate. That's great. As, as well as providing um, a moderator uh, to sit next to Christina. So... That that uh, that that could be uh, you know what what it's uh, you know that could be the game changer there for getting other uh, you know mainstream media um, outlets behind us. What do you think it's going to take for your organization or people of like mind to break this monopoly? This is cartel behavior because the Republican and Democratic parties formed this debate commission and then cut deals with the networks and the networks make a tremendous amount of money on political advertising. So they're going to do whatever the Republicans and Democrats want because it's, it's hugely beneficial for their bottom line. Is it going to take one of the major party presidential candidates to, to opt out of that system? I mean, it, it seems rickety. Gary Johnson's lawsuits kind of made a dent, but is it going to take a, let's say, um, uh, I, I don't know, AOC wins the Democratic nomination and decides to opt out and partner with Free and Equal. Is that what it's going to take to kind of break this monopoly? Or how do, how do we break that cartel? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, although the Republicans uh, earlier this year sent a formal letter of complaint to the, to the commission that things have to change or they'll be going elsewhere. Uh, but I, I think what we what we need to do, uh, what we will do is create debates, create our own debates that have a bigger viewership. Um, and we don't need the, the major networks as much anymore. Right. Yeah. We've got social media, we've got, uh, our own streaming out- outlets and, uh, you know, there's more people watching that than there are watching cable these days. Uh, so, um, and Americans are addicted to celebrity. Uh, so our, our wish list of moderators for 2024 um, includes people that uh, you wouldn't think would be at a um, presidential debate from Kim Kardashian to Joe Rogan to 
you know, you name it, celebrity Ashton Kutcher, he's passionate about uh, human trafficking and modern day slavery. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, debates that are focused around issues that these celebrities are passionate about. Kim Kardashian has how many Instagram followers, hundreds of millions, um, and she's uh, passionate about civil uh, justice reform. Um, and uh, yeah, she, she's definitely on the wish list and would definitely bring cameras uh, to what we're doing. No, I think it's a great point. And I've, I've kind of made this point to some of the moral panic around the mainstream media's power. It's not that powerful anymore. You know, oh, the, the the celebrities, blah, blah, blah. But like, look at the Academy Awards kind of going away. Like the, the decentralization of media is underway. I I can't say this for certain, but I guarantee that my personal Facebook and the We Are Libertarians podcast network and this podcast has more penetration into my local community than the the indie star columnist does. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, there's... Uh, when when uh, Rob Kendall from WIBC and I joke back and forth with each other on social media, more people read that than they read the column in the Sunday Star. So, like, the, the decentralization of media is here, it's happening, it's powerful. Yes, you're exactly right. People love social proof. They love celebrities. They love the seal of approval of uh, a mainstream media outlet. Um, you know, when I was, this podcast had, so I did a radio show over the last year for a local, uh, five different radio stations and that on air audience, that show was infinitesimally smaller than this podcast reach, but people are like, Ooh, you're on the radio because we still kind of have that idea that the magic box or the, the broadcast medium, it, you know, but I, I'm Working in broadcast media and working part-time here in the, the digital space, I can tell you he's exactly right. Zach is exactly right. 10, 15 years from now, institutions, what Christina, and this is what we're always talking about here on the show, political direct action, okay, go get involved with the Libertarian Party, serve your three years, see how that goes. But the main way to make change is to build a new institution. And what Christina did... And Zach, tell the story. Christina literally just said, I've got an idea. I'm going to do this. I'm going to spend 20 to 40 hours a week on it. I'm going to build a new institution. And a decade later, over a decade later, we're sitting here talking about a festival that is taking place, which we'll talk about in a moment, that's massive, that's had multiple debates. I mean, Christina really just created an institution, Zach. How did this come about? Talk, talk about what, what work it has taken to get free and equal to this point. Yeah, well, it came up that the genesis of it was her watching her father um, and all the struggles he had running for uh, governor of uh, Illinois as a libertarian. Uh, and I, I know that that was really powerful for her. Uh, and she became, uh, you know, a, a ballot access expert uh, and has worked to, to get, uh, yeah, I don't know how many candidates on the ballot, uh, libertarians and, and other parties. She was also uh, Ralph Nader's national access uh, coordinator. But, uh, yeah, that, that was the genesis of it for her was, was watching the struggles with, with her own father. Yeah, Harry, everybody's waiting for a disruptor, not realizing that they are the disruptor. Right. That they are the change they are waiting for. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's waiting for someone else in the background to do it. That idea that you know someone's going to come up in a white horse and just get something fi- fixed and do it. It's like, nope, you have the skill, you have the time, you know, you have the passion, you have the drive. Just go and do it. You know, and you will find other people that will also will help you along that journey. Yeah, people like Zach who are like, mm-hmm. this is my jam. I mean, everybody's uh, everybody's a nerd about something. Start talking the thing you're nerdy about. You know, and eventually other people like Zach see Christina and come along and, you know, here he is today, years later, working with us to talk about this organization that we'd love for you to get involved in. How can people get involved, Zach? Like how, you know, notwithstanding the the event, which will be my next question, um, but how do people, if they want to volunteer their time or how do they promote the organization, what kind of things do you want people to do to help promote Free and Equal Elections Foundation? Yeah, um, well, you can go to freeandequal.org uh, to the Contact Us page, and um, we've got uh, an email box. We've also got a, a phone number listed there. Um, write, call, let us know, uh, you know what your nerdy passion is and how you can help us move things forward, definitely. Um, there's a, a lot of us here came from the Ron Paul movement, but uh, we bring people together from across the political spectrum, which I think is just absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, we all have more in common when it comes down to it than we have that divides us. And uh, you really, yeah, you really feel that when you're when you're uh, at a free and equal event. You know, we've we've got. Um, from Sean Stone to Brock Pierce, uh, Clyde Lewis, uh, some amazing people come out to these events. And yeah, it's, it's Cindy Sheehan. I, I, I don't know if she'll be at this one, but she's, she's been at uh, our events in the past. And, and uh, yeah, definitely more that uh, we have in common. And, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, freeandequal.org, just reach out and uh, let, us, let us know how uh, uh, you'd like to help. We're here. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 this festival kicks off today. It's 1040 on Saturday, July 3rd. So in 20 minutes, July 3rd through the 4th, 2021, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., uh, there's 40 speakers and artists for the live stream of the festival. It's the United We Stand Festival. It's a free live virtual event. We're going to put the link to freeandequal.org in the show notes, and you can always go back and catch the replay but I noticed just how big and diverse it's not just, you know, you've got like you've got uh, uh, Cindy Sheehan speaking and then G. Edward Griffin is speaking, who is the guy that wrote The Creature from Jekyll Island. And then a little bit after that, Richard Winger of Ballot Access News, which is an amazing site. You've got, you know, Marianne Williamson speaking. Um, now, this says uh, tomorrow at 3.50, Larry King will be speaking. How did you exactly get that hookup? Uh, did you link? I, I, did you I link? think you're looking at a past year. Oh, d- gosh. Okay. All right. No, it's this is the this is on the website, 2021. So maybe it's a recorded message. But um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah would, that'd be a little difficult. That would be uh, a little he, difficult now. Yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, he, he was he was definitely a, a big fan of. Um, you know what we're doing here uh his wife told me that it, it was uh yeah one, one of his favorite uh events he'd, he'd ever done uh, that's so, very cool yeah yeah definitely miss him uh, uh yeah so support from behind the scenes yeah please so go check this out you'll see a wide variety of people that are speaking um 
you know, this is an excellent organization and an excellent event. Reinhold, do you have any questions that you'd like to hop in on? Uh, I can't think of anything right now. Um, just I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the seeing the show. Uh, Harry, how about you? And, uh, it, yeah, and that's uh, Pacific Standard, 11 a.m. Yeah. Oh, so, all right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Thankfully, it does, doesn't start in 20 minutes because, yeah, we're not all awake yet. <laughs> well, you know, Zach, we're here on God's time. I don't know what yeah. freak devil time you people are on there in California, but uh, w- those of us who are uh, no right thinking Americans are on Eastern. Um, right, yeah. We fall into the ocean out here. Right. <laughs> Lord willing. Yeah, uh, with their with their brown grass, we'll just go up, water my grass. <laughs> so, so Zach, uh, you know, thank you so much for coming on. Give us like the uh, anything that I've failed to ask. Like what what else should I ask you that uh, the people need to know that I don't I haven't thought of. I I have no idea. All um, right. I haven't had enough coffee yet. Well, I think the answer is I'm just such a good interviewer that uh, we've we got all the questions in. Well, Zach, thank you so much. Freeandequal.org. Make sure you check out the event today and help out. Uh, just break the 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 I almost said caliphate, <laughs> not too far off of the debates, uh, the debate commission, and and go check out Free and Equal. Yeah. Thank you so much, Zach. Go ahead. You bet. And and real quick, um, if we could get more help from the Libertarian Party, that would be sweet. Just a, a quick story. Um, the, the Libertarian Party, uh, the, the big debate I worked on back in 2012 when we had Larry King uh, and, you know, the, the Green Party, the Justice Party, the Constitution Party, their national parties all shared news that, you know, we had Larry King moderating a debate that their candidate would be at. And I could not get the Libertarian Party to share it with their own membership. I was calling all of the 50 state parties, and they were sharing it. But the National Party, Carla Howell, uh, you know, God bless her, but uh, she had a, um, a board game that she was all excited about. And I think because I didn't share her enthusiasm for the board game, she was like, yeah, not taking, you know, no, I'm not listening to you anymore. You're not excited about my board game. Well, I can't verify that fact, but I mean, that's, you know, I don't know. So, you know, I remember as a baby libertarian, uh, new executive director, Bob Barr refused to participate in a debate. And this is all this is what what a lot of new people failed to who are newer to the party who failed to realize about the Ron Paul Republican movement and the Libertarian Party is that there has long been a lot of animosity. Not just because of the the Cato versus Rothbard split in the you know the seventies eighties, but also you know Ron Paul and his eighty eight election and it not going well, and then the split there when when Rothbard and Paul left the party to go support Buchanan in ninety two, and then so Ron Paul and his movement and his apparatus, which is plural for apparatus really kind of had a lot of animosity for the Libertarian Party and have always talked poorly about it, which is why it's so hilarious to see all some of those people come back now and trying to promote membership. Um, And so, you know, that's why I was really excited about the the Mises Caucus, because finally we're kind of going to get over some of this, like, just wasteful tension between these two crowds. And Ron Paul put on a third-party debate in 2008, 
and it was Cynthia McKinney, um, Chuck Baldwin, and Bob Barr was invited, and I think one other person. It may have been Nader or whoever the Green was that year. I think Cynthia McKinney was the Green. Well, Bob Barr didn't want to share a stage with Cynthia McKinney because of 9-11 trutherism stuff, uh, which was a very hot topic uh, in, the, in the movement back then, which is, you know. Um, so he opted out. And so the thinking in the Libertarian Parties Act for a long time is sort of hilarious and a double standard because we want to be in these debates. We should be in, on the national stage. But then with their other third parties... They don't want to debate because they don't want to legitimize someone like Cynthia McKinney. And so they, they forego the, they missed, they miss an opportunity basically to, to talk with others. And I think that, that attitude in the party is kind of dying off. I mean, I definitely, I think I was of, of that mindset in 2008, but now, you know, you realize how hard it is to break through the noise. You need as much exposure as possible. Um, so uh, I also think that Russia today kind of, factored in a little bit um to my bad that's not your bad uh you were just trying to get you're trying to cut through the noise right like um so yeah i would love to see the libertarian party uh get off that high horse and work with you i just think it's we are too divided and there's too much noise and too many options out there to not work together yeah well we, we had we had uh, Gary Johnson uh, at our debates back in the day, and I think it's it's on us to create uh, events that are too big for the libertarians to ignore. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's on us. That uh, we'll we'll make it happen. Well, and, a lot of those people are listening, and I hope that they they hear your message and uh, wholly endorse that. So, Zach, thank you so much, and thanks for that. I mean that that's something that libertarians need to hear. Yeah, yeah, no, and the thanks is all to you, brother. All right, take care. Good luck with good luck with your event today. We appreciate you coming on freeandequal.org. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, Harry is going to read the Declaration of Independence. A live reading of the Declaration by Harry Price. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we especially want to thank our friends over at Right Now and Stephen Kent and the Rightly Network uh, for being one of our first major sponsors here on the network. You're going to hear the Right Now ads. We're going to freshen them up so you don't get completely uh, obliterated with them for over the next few months. But uh, they've they've just made a, a big investment in the We Are Libertarians podcast network and our hosts and. We thank Stephen Kent so much, and I just ask you, please go subscribe to Right Now. Uh, you probably heard the ad. If you skip through the ads, I'm adding it here so you don't skip this. This is very important. These are our friends, and you must be nice to them, please. Uh, you know, Stephen has the kind of show that, that, that we have here. It's not about, like, hyperbole, and he's not trying to make you mad. He's having on great people that make you think, talking to a lot of uh, folks that we talk to, like Brad Palumbo, Hannah Cox, somebody I'd love to talk to who I, I absolutely love is Andrew Heaton. Um, he even has, you know, progressives on like Matt Iglesias. And so make sure you go check out the new podcast right now, very much in the vein of the We Are Libertarians podcast network. And we thank the Rightly Network so much for coming on as a sponsor. 
And uh, we just ask you to go support them because this is our first ad buy as a podcast network. We want it to go really well and we want uh, to just make a good impression. So if you love us, if you love all 13 of our shows, if you love me, then please go subscribe. Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, what you're going to hear about right now. And we just thank them so much. And please go subscribe. Now, Harry, Harry, is, Harry just randomly in our Slack channel goes, can I read the Declaration of Independence? <laughs> I was like, well, if we can get it from Nick Cage, you can. <laughs> uh, and I'm all for it. Like way back in 2013, I read the Declaration of Independence. I was like, I got to. So I recorded, I was, I wanted to test a microphone. I remember I was at the, the apartment I, I shared with my ex-wife, the, the first studios of We Are Libertarians and mm -hmm. was testing a brand new mic that I, I didn't have the money to buy and uh, read the Declaration of Independence because it's so timely. There's so much. Uh, it sits up here on the wall uh, that right there. Mm -hmm. Along with the the Constitution and my David Letterman autograph and my buttons and uh, a, a meaningful patch and my H. L. Mencken book, um, so I'm all for it. But you two are having a very nerdy debate behind the scenes as to which one you're going to read. What are you talking about? Well, so he wants to read the the uh, Declaration of Independence as it was passed. Mm -hmm. And I have a, a great fondness for the Declaration of Independence as was written by Thomas Jefferson originally mm -hmm. before the uh, before the Continental Congress got together and said, oh, no, we can't say that and started ripping parts of it out. Well, so well, some of us wasn't there, right? Hold it. Didn't know. You know yeah. It, it was, we, did, we, we weren't there for the debate like you. Yeah. I watched the debate from the from the uh, the window because they had to have the window open to let the flies in, out. You know, uh, you you still have on your powdered wig, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like I, I enjoy hearing the Declaration of Independence read aloud. Uh, I think reading it silently to yourself, you don't really get its full impact. Um, I think aloud and posters is just aloud and hearing it. I think you really, I, I think it gives more of a message. Um, granted, uh, actually, I'll admit, like, I don't even remember reading the version that Reinhold is bringing up. I know it existed, you know, there's right. all different redress, but no, I've never, like, I don't remember s sitting down actually reading that version. Mm. Let oh. me see if I can find the some patriotic music for us, too. Once you're done, I, I can maybe throw a, throw a section or two that was cut that I think are very important. Okay. <laughs> that that sounds good. You um, know what we probably should have did was just like have it read the original and just stop it. Ooh, can we not say that? Let's change that line to this and just like edit it in real time. Like <laughs> <laughs> the Declaration of Independence was signed today. This is how it went in SharePoint. Ooh, let's take this line out. <laughs> <laughs> we get that quill pen eraser. Let's get that. No. <laughs> so, so Reinhold, like, what was cut out exactly? What What did they decide that they? Well, uh, there was a lot of changing of language and and wording, but one big section that was cut out starts off with uh, in the list of redress of why. 
um, they should they should separate from the king uh, was that it starts off with he had waged cruel war against human nature itself, violating its most sacred right of life and liberty in the persons of a distant people who have never offended him, captivating and carrying them into slavery into another hemisphere mm. or to incur miserable death on their transportation thither. And continues on really laying into him about um, the approbation of infidel powers, the warfare of a Christian king of Great Britain doing this and all men should be free. And it, it's very, I think it's a very powerful little section, but uh, I, I obviously you can see why it was kind of frowned upon by a few of the states that they were trying to get on board with this whole thing. Yeah, right. Um, let's see. Can can you guys, if I play this, can you hear it? Looking for royalty-free music? Check out Epidemic Sound. Do you hear that? Find yep. your yep. perfect right. track. Well, that's the ad. It's a little loud. So, yeah, it's a little loud. Okay, All right, let me turn it down. All right, we, we, we're live producing, everybody. Fuck it, we're doing it live. We're doing it live. Doing it live. Doing it live. <laughs> That's one of my... Yes, I'm going to read this out loud in a non-sound-treated room. Okay, it's better this way. Okay. All right. Hold on. Let me. Let, we got it's one more. Originally, we have one more option here. I don't like that nearly as much. I think we got to do America the Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. But like Reinhold, you're right. That section, I liked that section. That section is awesome. That actually like helps dispels the myth of like, oh, America was, you know, was created for slave owners. The main reason they separated from England was to keep their slaves. <laughs> for some of them, it was in the South. The absolutely, it's not, it's not as clear cut one way or the other. But well, yeah, well, yeah. Jefferson was very big on wanting to get rid of slavery, but he was also very big on he couldn't financially take the hit. Yeah, because. unless everybody else did it at the same time, so he was of two minds on that. Um, but they all, I, they're still the, all of them thought that they couldn't live with um, those people that they would want to get rid of. You know, send them back, as it were. Right. They didn't think they could exist in this genteel society. That's that actually the subject of Profiles and Liberty. The first episode of that new our new podcast here by is Jefferson's complicated views on slavery because he, he was. Like you said, um, not a fan, but that's, I mean, the, the economic system of the South, they, there's some parallels today. They didn't want to change their economic system. <laughs> and so, and that's what a lot of the, the progressives are, are talking about now. It's what Martin Luther King talked about is like, and, until you fix the economic imbalances, then you can't, you can't have true justice. And I agree with the, the, the cure, not the solution. Or no, no, I agree right. with the the diagnosis, but not the cure, is the way right. to put it. I, because right. I think and, if uh, you the other thing too with Jefferson is his 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 uh is dealing with this issue was further complicated by a whole other issue with the fact that he actually had a relationship with one of his slaves, mm -hmm. which in itself is bad enough. But when you understand, I think I understand the reasons behind what he was going through was that his wife had passed away and he was very much in love with his wife and the slave that he ended up being with Sally Hemings was, was, was actually her stepsister. Interesting. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So there's likely some very 
similar there's probably some similarities there but i mean the she was the daughter of his wife's dad who owned the slaves and gave them to thomas jefferson hmm. so that that adds a whole twist to the whole story does not excuse it in any way it completely went wrong but i'm just saying you can start to kind of understand what was going on in his twisted little head with the whole situation there so mm. and he wouldn't and he never he never freed her but he ended up freeing some of the kids which is just yeah, she had. i don't know it's okay uh all right are you guys are you ready harry which one are you reading are you reading the the official one or are you reading the uh first draft read the official one and i kind of want to go back to this <laughs> now i just want Reinhold to talk about more about the thomas jefferson <laughs> well i'm uncomfortable so, okay he, he's got my, my curiosity has me <laughs> it is spiked what's your question for him yeah i've talked about that you know when, when i've talked about this before with people and they're like oh he was so horrible because blah 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 and it's like you do know that he was really messed in the head about all this right i mean it was not there's a lot more to it than you know and a lot of people don't know that fact so yeah like I knew there was a lot of gray uh, area around it, even like the even legality of him, like even trying to release the slaves that he did own. But I never like delved into it. You know, it was never a subject that, like, oh, I should delve into like a rabbit hole to jump into. And but well, now it's here, and it just it's like I want to poke. Yeah. Well, the other things about Thomas Jefferson too is he always believed that his slaves were being taken care of and treated well. And he's gone a lot, so he's hiring people to take care of them, right? So he had slave masters. Um, he assumed that they were doing what he was telling them to do as far as taking care of those slaves. Mm -hmm. And then later found out that some of them weren't. So he'd fire them and get someone else. in. so he was, he was of the mind that he thinks he was like, when you hear in a lost cause that, you know, they were better off where they were, you know, than because we were treating them so well. All right. But so he was a white supremacist slave, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and the slave, ta slave masters were very, um, they had some real cruel standards too. So, um, but when he, it wasn't so much that he freed all the kids, but it was like, he let some of them escape without going and getting them. Right. Mm. It was kind of a, a weird, we'll kind of look the other way and this can happen. And then, you know, I can well, still he, say face with, with the Pete with, and, and his whole thing is he would have gotten rid of all of his slaves. But he was spending so much time and money trying to keep Monticello going. Mm -hmm. He couldn't afford it. He couldn't take the the financial hit for it. And that's in his mind the double standard. He he was he fought for uh, making sure that no slaves were allowed in Virginia, right? And then the slave trade there. I mean, he fought when he was governor. So he he was very much against the the idea of slavery, but he was also a human being, infallible, and kind of like i need i need to pay my money i need to pay my bills so um unfortunately he couldn't make the you know it would have been so great for history if he had like when you when we watch the right this, thing the movie, yeah <laughs> when we watched this great movie 1776 which i know chris love it i love love that movie but in that movie the character says i've already resolved to free my slaves because of what he felt about when he wrote this in the declaration of independence but he didn't do that. If he had done that, I think history would have been a much nicer to him. Um, 
with with uh, all the other things that he did as well, he would be more looked at more like a Lincoln who Lincoln still didn't believe that black people were equal to to the white people. He thought that, you know, the white oh, he had he had right? very common. And this is the thing about the north in that time, the vast, vast majority of people. It was white supremacy. It was the idea. They had bought the propaganda around slavery that the South had presented. They had presented their best face to the North about slavery. And so everyone in the North just thought, well, this is, you know, we talked about it, I think, last week. Well, this is just good for them, you know, and and it wasn't uh, <laughs> at all. And, and so when you actually saw the tyranny, the oppression, the absolute uh oppression and tyranny of slavery you just go watch nat turner um what is the birth of a new nation it's the new birth of a new nation about nat turner and or watch 12 years a slave i mean that's what civil that's what soldiers during the civil war from the north saw and that's what changed northerners like abraham lincoln is that they they realized they had been they were being naive and that the abolitionists had been right and Madison was a bit like that too. Madison had us had a slave that his father had assigned to him and given him for his travels and doing things, and he became friends with this the slave and eventually released him, mm-hmm. um, just because he just he couldn't tolerate the the hypocrisy of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but he and, and I know he he fought for you know getting rid of the slave trade, but at that time they needed they felt that they had a bigger, a bigger picture issue that um, they needed to break away and they needed everybody to do it for it to be, to work. And they needed unity and there was no way they were going to get the South States to go with them. And they were like, we'll take this and kick the can down the road. Right. Everybody wanted to kick that can down the road. They did for decades, kicking the can down the road. Oh, we have this compromise. This will work. We will never have this issue again. Uh, It's, um, it's it's interesting to watch those years from the from the founding of the country to the Civil War and watch all of the things that happened and how it became a bigger and bigger festering issue underlying everything that was going on in politics at the time until um, it finally exploded. Hmm. Um, and if if anybody had 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 a way to resolve that in that in, in intermittent period of time, it would have been. Uh, much nicer for the country not to have that civil war, but because um, I think I think some some concepts about how the country should operate changed because of it. That maybe um, we might be able to keep some of the things that we did like before that happened, right? Some a little bit more of the um, federation of states as opposed to oh, and we need to have all of this done centrally managed, centrally manage everything because we can't trust some of these states to do this stuff. Um, if we had worked it out beforehand, maybe we would have we would have had a better chance of saving some of that. Hmm. Are you going to scratch anymore, Harry? <laughs> like talk your scratch out? I rubbed it really good. No, no, I actually want more. I think I'm gonna, like I think at the uh, the pool party, I think I'm just going to like just bother you the entire time, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I do want to we're getting ready to talk we're getting ready to talk about declaration minutes, which. Is a great document, and also a flawed document, mm-hmm. but um, because it doesn't mention certain things that it should, because they were taken out. But uh, I think it's a lot of people are now starting to try and re-examine Thomas Jefferson in the negative light, 
He deserves it. He deserves to be looked at in that negative light, but we also mm-hmm. cannot put aside the good things that he did and the, and the great things that he wrote. And well, I think uh, this is the larger, um, this is the larger conversation in, in our, our culture now. I mean, like you take Bill Cosby, for example. Okay. Bill Cosby has done a tremendous amount of good for the world and education and, and, uh, black Americans and Mm -hmm. there is just a, there's a lot of good in his life. He is also maybe the most prolific rapist of his generation, which like is a disqualifying thing. Like, so how do you reconcile those two things? How do you reconcile that this person did a tremendous amount of good and a tremendous amount of evil? And which is he? Right. Right. And, well, and, and every single person alive, they don't have those wide extremes from, you know, major educational foundations to that have enriched the lives of underprivileged kids to the absolute violent. Like it just I, I don't know. I mean, we tend to look in and take a black and white stance and go everything that this man did was bad because of this profoundly evil thing that he did um and i think i think he he is one of the most um stark examples of that struggle between a person's good and evil side that that our 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 country's reckon like trying to figure out right now um and and it's it applies to every person i mean my good and my evil are like cosby's here jefferson here right, right like most of us are like here you know, uh, in, in the the amount of good and the amount of evil that we perpetrate, but everybody is a complicated human being, and so how do we how do we think about those people? What should we continue to listen to himself? One of the greatest comedy records of all time. You know, should the Cosby Show be in syndication? Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, and and in a lot of ways, history is exactly that same way. I mean, Churchill saved Western. Europe and America and the world. But Churchill was also a white supremacist. He was also a racist. You read his writings about indigenous people and the the colonial empire that he managed. Okay, how do we square that? How do you square Washington sending out patrols to pick up slaves but also has all these good qualities? So I just, I, there's no answer. There's no final reconciliation between these things because this is the human experience. It's good and evil within us. Yeah. Go ahead, Harry. I was going to say, one, uh, yes, the show should be back in syndication. There's a lot of other people who worked on that show that needs the royalty checks, that were dependent on those royalty checks. Okay. Put the show back in syndication. Um, Because it was also, because, yeah, yeah. What he did in those times was terrible, but a lot of you know young black men need to see other black bitches on TV or just like because Theo to me was like huge to me growing up, mm. seeing Theo grow up, watching Theo make 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 mistakes. That character, no, the, yeah, that's you know I needed that type of character, um, you know, and you know, sure. No, what what I learned what I learned from Miss Pat is that the five heartbeats. Have you ever seen Five Heartbeats? Either of you with Robert Townsend. No. Okay, this movie was made in 1991. Robert Townsend is the guy who directed himself and the guy who directed uh, Cosby's himself and Eddie Murphy's Raw. He had a TV show in the early 90s uh, that I loved. 
um, legendary director, black director. Mm -hmm. um, and he did The Five Heartbeats, which was like kind of a, a movie about like The Temptations, but a version of it, right? Like a, mm -hmm. And the whole point of the movie was to show black men loving each other. And it is one of, if not the first movies where all the lead characters were black men and were doing positive things and showing love and appreciation for each other. 1991, <laughs> you know, and that just kind of blew my mind. And then I, I was like, that can't be right. And then you just started, Harry, looking through the catalog of movie history and black men are represented as angry or violent or scary or, you know, you didn't, I'm sure it was very important for you to see a, a healthy whole black family like the Cosbys yep. together and showing yep. that love to each other. Yeah. The dad's not an idiot. The dad's a sense of strength to be able to communicate with the family, all keeping his family together, like having like also like a good relationship like his kids grew up went to college and still came back and talked to them that that good type of relationship like they're that that's very positive that you know like that 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 is what i get from the cosby show i could it, it was like you got to separate it hey if you they're if i'm tired of people who say they, they can't separate what someone did to the art form and still like H.P. Lovecraft or like Lovecraftian stuff, because if you can't do that, just go ahead, open up the search engine of your choice and type in what was H.P. Lovecraft's cat's name. Go ahead. You wouldn't, be able to, you wouldn't be able to read a book before 1968 or something like that. Right. You know, it, I just everybody... watched Gone, I just watched Gone with the Wind for the first time. And holy oh, yeah. shit, is that racist? <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> but, but that is the it, wow. It's wow. accurately racist. Though. It's mm -hmm. it's not it's accurately racist to a lost cause mentality mm -hmm. like it's it's you know uh now hattie yeah. uh she won the first uh, the Oz, the first black woman to win an oscar out of it mm -hmm. but the portrayal was one of the four stereotypes of jim crow uh you know the the attitude towards black people in it is just profoundly racist and so i forget <laughs> i think it was kareem abdul jabbar who said you can't cancel that movie you can't stop showing that movie hbo needs to put it back on because as black americans and as white americans specifically young white people like myself need to watch that movie to understand the attitudes in 1938 towards black people so exactly. you understand where we where we have come from and where we're going and when that type of thinking comes back when someone goes right. like, oh, we can't have ID laws. Why? Because black people can't get ID. It's that same type of racist thinking from Gone of the Wind. Is that what you're thinking? Like, oh, black people can't get IDs. Mm, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. What? It's the same thing. It's what's like, oh, minorities can't get IDs. You These voting forms are too difficult for them because they're with their slow brains. That's <laughs> you know what? You got a point. <laughs> it's like I, I think more it's more about access and being afraid to tell the government that you, you know are sitting over here and have them come get you because now you're on a list somewhere, but right. Uh, but the, mm. but the thing is you still need that same government ID to buy alcohol. You need the same government ID to get government assistance. Okay. And it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And the thing is, if that's your case, then fine. If you can, you can, most of the one type of political party controls most of the cities, which has most of the DMVs. So who's really at fault there? Mm. So anyways, I want to get to more elections. Yeah, well, let's let's read about. this. Let's read this declaration. Before, of I did want to say something. I grew up. So I grew up very racist in Bill Cosby. Oh, 
the uh, one of my first records that wasn't uh you know Jackson Five or some uh, kids songs here or Shirley Temple. I used to listen to Shirley Temple when I was five six years old. Um, but one of the first comedy albums I ever heard was Bill Cosby, right? And I I grew up just loving him, and it got me into other other comedians after the fact, right? So, um, so I have this long, complicated history myself with Bill Cosby. I grew up on Picture Pages. I don't know if you know what Picture Pages is, mm-hmm. and, he, and the and the Fat Albert Show, and which was like when Saturday morning cartoons was very much not um, targeted for certain people that came out and showed different, a different side, something that needed to be shown at the time. So um, I'm very much in the camp of, we still appreciate the things that someone does. Like you don't go to Roman plan, never watch another Roman Plansky movie or because some of that stuff is great, but he's a horrible person. Right. You have to understand that concept behind it in order to uh, continue functioning or you're you're just never going to be able to watch anything or do anything. Um, if um, if Hitler's painting paintings had been better, would we just not, you know, would we burn them all and never have them exist anymore uh, just because of what he did and who he was? Or would we appreciate the fact that he had this great painting Um which which she really didn't have the great painting. He was okay. He did not, no. uh, it was a terrible but if he painter. did, you know, you can start thinking about that. How would we react to that? How would we treat that? And it, it's just, you have to start going. These things are great things that somebody did who was very messed up in the head. And unfortunately um, did some horrible things, but that doesn't discount the good things that they did. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up on himself, too. I had that memorized. I mean, that and I had uh, this, the Class Clown by uh, Carlin memorized. Um, I, I was it wasn't the, for Cosby, I probably wouldn't have got into George Carlin. I wouldn't have got into Richard same. Pryor. You know, that, those, those were very, um, uh, me growing up, those are very important things for me and, and create, informing who I am today. By doing that, and I, and I hate, I'd hate to think we need to rip part of that out, out just because of the personal life and how horrible of a person somebody was. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's also a market solution. I can't watch Bill Cosby. I can't consume the content. Um, I'm trying to think of. There's just a lot of people that, as you get older and you become more complex and more aware of. Uh, my problem, my toxic trait is believing that because I have good intentions, everyone else does too. Mm-hmm. That I, I just, I'm like a golden retriever that I trust that people have good intentions. And then I'm shocked when I find out that they don't. Uh, and, you know, you start out, I started out as a kid kind of going, all right, well, everybody's a good person and blah, blah, blah. And then you sort of just learn over time, like, this is not a good person. And, and Bill Cosby is just one of those people where I just, I, I can't enjoy it in the same way. Uh, and I don't, I just don't want to be reminded of what a dirtbag he is. But uh, anyways, we're off in Cosby land. Harry Price. Just because. Are, are you ready for your live dramatic reading of the Declaration of Independence? I think I'm going to like code too dramatic. I can't get too reversed in his room because 
you know, foam in this room, so I can't use my full range. Uh, we want the echoey because that's what it was then. It was all right. echoey. Yeah, that all echoey room. Channel, yeah, channel you your your inner Frederick Douglass as you're speaking to uh, you know large crowds without a microphone. Yeah, and the other thing is like a um, like a lot of people who was. I like the even as an anarchist, I like this document, you know, because it is it is it's celebrating secession. It's a very peaceful declaration of we're walking away. Okay, mm-hmm. they could have walked away. <laughs> it's it's yeah. just saying this is a breakup letter. This is a dear John letter. We're not going to George war with letter. you. We're just here's here's what we're doing, and you do with it what you will. We hope you don't kill us. Right. Please leave us alone. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. You tell me when you're ready for the music. Oh, I realize now that we've got 13 shows and I wish probably do a declaration penance from Dear Leader one of these days. All right. I would love to retire from the libertarian movement. <laughs> Believe me, I'd love to break up with libertarianism <laughs> at some point. Believe me. If somebody wants to buy me out. <laughs> uh, okay, sips done. All right. I'm that's ready. right. I can't <clears throat> even enjoy jello pudding pops anymore. All right, you ready? Here we go. When, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall not seem <clears throat> shall not mostly likely to affect their safety and happiness. And prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariable the same object evidence as designed to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and as such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having indirect object the establishment of absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. 
this is this is when it gets deep. He has refused his assent to laws, the the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance, unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people, unless those people would relinquish their right of representation in the legislature as right extendable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the disparity of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measure. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness and invasions of his rights of the people. He has refused for long time after such dissolution to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers incapable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise. The state remaining in the meantime exposed to all of the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within he has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for that purpose of obstructing the laws of naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass up others to encourage their migrations hither and raising the conditions of new appropriation of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for the establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount of payment of their salaries. He has erected multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and to eat out their substance. Yes. He, has... <laughs> he has erected a multitude of <laughs> offices. That, that was got you. He has kept among us in times of peace, standing armies without consent of our legislators. He has affected to render the military independent and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and acknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretendous legislation, for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us of many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretend offenses, for abolishing the free system of English law in neighboring provinces, establishing therein an arbitrary government and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it as once an example and fit an instrument of introducing the same absolute rule to into these colonies. For taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of government. For suspending our legislature and declaring themselves invested with powers to legislate for all of us in cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection in waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, and burnt our towns to destroy the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, 
desolation and tyranny already begun with circumstances of cruelty, perversity, and scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous of ages, totally unworthy of the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens, taken captive on the high seas, to bear arms against their country, to be Come the executioners of their friends and brethren to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrection among us and has endeavored to bring our of the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages who know rule of warfare is undistinguishable destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for the redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act must be defined as a tyrant and is unfit to be the ruler of free people. Nor have we been waiting, wanting an, an, an attention to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislators to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connection and correspondence. They too have been to death to voice of justice, and I'm constantly We must, therefore, acquiesce in the necessity with denounce our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies of war and peace friends. We, therefore, representative of the United States of America, in general Congress, assembled appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the restitute of our intentions, do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that the United, the United Colonies are and a right ought to be free and independent states, and that they are resolved from the allegiance to the British crown. And all political connections between them and the state of Great Britain is an outright to be dissolved, totally dissolved. And that, as free and independent states, they all have the power to levy war, conclude peace, contract allies, and establish commerce, and to do all the other acts, things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, we, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortune, and our sacred honor. <laughs> Got goosebumps right now. Yeah. I think I, 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 at one point in time, I actually did a podcast um, going through the Declaration of Independence and, like, basically just check marks on, like, like the current tyranny of the current system. Like, this is this is what has happened. Harry, my know? nips are so hard right yeah. now. I'm so patri- feeling yeah, so you, patriotic. Yeah, if you read this section, too, um, that I really like is for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us and protecting them from punishment for any murders which they commit on the inhabitants of these states. What does that sound like? Sounds kind of qualified immunity type of uh, mm-hmm. language there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, sounds like it. Sounds like it. You know? Especially if you take the... Cutting uh, off trade. Yep, cutting off trade. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Taxes. My first was like, is the... Uh, like the barbaric uh, savages that mm-hmm. the, the that whole warfare there, that's clearly like some of the allowing the like gang violence that are going on in our cities and in certain black block organizations to just ramp wild and attack people. They're it's also interesting barbarians. to notice that, that the, so 
the perception of the savage Indians yeah. was that, that, also very strong at the time, and that made it in here. So that's, you know, it's more acceptable, I think, to some people than the other uh, images imagery that goes around too. But um, it's well, still a struggle for them, I think. Well, yeah, they were, yeah. Well, we, they were being invaded upon and and attacked. Yeah. Just yeah, and you know, so. Well, it's it's the interesting thing too is we can say all the heap all the praise and everything onto this document and and the sentiments and John mm-hmm. Locke and liberalism and the Age mm-hmm. of Enlightenment, uh, but also these these same individuals were selfish and petty to the point that um, they decided to what to revolt because they were getting taxed right uh, without representation. But the things that you don't learn a lot about in high in in you know school uh, about that is that the French and Indian War took a big toll on Britain. They were protecting U.S. colonies. Yeah. Afterwards, they go to the U.S. colonies and say, "Hey, we'd really kind of appreciate you helping pay for some of that. We're going to apply these taxes, these base taxes, and the Americans were being taxed less than what." British citizens in Britain were getting taxed. Right. And they still said, no, we don't, we're not going to pay for this additional tax that to pay back them what you spent protecting us. I don't know if you've ever seen the the profit. I just watched, I love that, that show. Marcus Lomonas is my man crush. Yeah. Um, And he, there was this Missouri town that, or in Illinois town that got flooded uh, really bad the whole town had issues and he went to like help restore the town mm-hmm. and he's going through the financials of the town and and because they're just flat broke i mean it completely you know destroyed their uh their they, they had no income coming in so they couldn't pay for the sewer they couldn't pay for street repair they couldn't pay for some just the basics that a small town pays for so right. it's like where where can you re- reclaim some income without and like these, this boat slip people, they just didn't send them the invoice for the taxes that they owed. And so they're like, well, now we need to change this. Like we need, we need you to pay the $250,000 you owe us. And it was just, they were rioting because <laughs> like the town's like, well, you, you, you did just notice the flood we had six months ago, right? That completely destroyed the town and now we're broke. And so you owe this money because you 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 signed the agreement. So, and I just like I was like, we have not changed. This is great. I well, love it. Like, it, if what's, you- <laughs> what's really funny about that is that it continues on to where okay, we decide to fight to fight this war, um, and we need help doing it. So we go to France, who were the French and Indian War. Remember, they were ones trying to anyway. So we go to France and they help us against against Britain, and they're like, okay, we'll help you. And they help the United States win that war, stave <laughs> off, and, and create a basically a, a stalemate and win that way. But um, then they come back to us and say, "Hey, you know, we kind of helped you win your independence. We could give us, you know, help pay back some of that debt." And we just said, "Yeah, no, thank you." And because of that, France, the monarchy in France, uh, King Louis didn't have enough money to do what he needed to do the peasants started getting no, not any any food they started to revolt then you got the french revolution and 40 or 50 years of complete chaos in france because of of that so we started off as kind of a 
bit of a, a group of assholes as it were i would think but yeah. um yeah. that's that's the other side of that story right so you have the good stuff and the enlightenment and all the great thinking and the the freedom of the individual and treating people without class boundaries and all the great stuff that came out of that but they were flawed human beings too they were selfish they were if if king george and i think what he was doing too he was trying to play this game where he was trying to get the the taxes from them but he was also trying to get it in a way that they wouldn't unite so he was going after the northern states to get taxes they weren't really messing with the southern states too much so he thought maybe he would get that if he had focused on getting the taxes from the less powerful individuals in society like certain governments do today um there would have been less revolt because the people who revolted were the ones who were in power who and it affected them the people who weren't in a lot of power at the time if it affected them i don't think there would have been this great cry for revolution so what you're saying is if you have to lock down the economy you make sure the big billionaire companies can stay open but the little ones who have no voice Mm -hmm. you shut theoretically theoretically if you were to do something like that yeah you would focus on making sure that the the rich and powerful maintained their rich and power um so that they didn't, you know, format that's, this revolution. That's the crazy thing about the lockdowns. It's like if you were doing well, you're doing really well now. And if you weren't, you're not. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the uh, <laughs> Americans oh, being assholes. This is a great Onion headline. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, basically, but the, this Olympic athlete, I don't know her name. I'm so sorry, but uh, she she's like the greatest sprinter uh, uh and she mm-hmm. was going to win the gold medal and she got a call from a reporter that her mother had died so she smoked some weed to take the edge off and now she's uh, been kicked out and the onion wrote a headline dream crushed over trivial bullshit represents nation better than gold medal ever could <laughs> brutal reason had a great uh, article about about all this too so make sure you check it out like uh yeah so we americans have not changed we are still assholes hopefully she gets like weed endorsements because like whatever weed i get you to sprint like that i want it like if you got Mm -hmm. i need active stuff like that it's like this is better than coffee look at this (laughs) pre-workout what was it the uh, the the reason headline was uh if if somebody can smoke marijuana and still beat you in running let them run exactly well, well yeah. just like yeah because they did the same thing to like what Ma- michael phelps when he got caught yep. well just like someone noticed yeah it's yeah. okay well that's the funny thing too is at the time michael phelps had a kind of a bit of a spiral and he got a couple endorsements from some people but now that uh legal marijuana is starting to make a uh, an impact mm-hmm. and, and get implemented you know maybe she has better chance to get get some uh money there so right yeah yeah uh, yeah uh, it's and it's not and i'm sure that's a consolation prize to her but she how many years you spend training to be an olympic athlete it is not trivial it's not uh a weekend going to the to the ball diamond and play and pick up softball this is hard work that they do for years and years and a lot of formative years of their lives mm-hmm. that they give up for this and just to have it pulled out from underneath you because of some stupid idiotic rule like that Mm -hmm. it's mind-blowing how how that still is a thing today and it's it even as many years as i've seen this and i've I've lived a lot of years as many years i keep seeing the stupidity 
keep playing itself out over and over again, I'm still surprised by it every time it happens because I always think that we're progressing and doing better. And I, then I feel, something comes along and says, I no, know. no. I was on a clubhouse. Jess Mears organized a clubhouse um, this week with a bunch of libertarian podcasters. And we were asked the question, since you started your podcast, what have been the greatest expansions of liberty over the last 10 years or since you started your podcast? Some of these people have had like podcasts for like three months. Um, so they're like, ah, <laughs> but you know, look at Harry, what we've seen over the last decade that we've been doing. We are libertarians. I mean, think about 20, 2011. Okay. Gay marriage is no longer an oh, yeah. issue. Weed mm -hmm. is more and more legalized. You, the lockdowns, I think as much as people, as much as last year was a huge breach of liberty, I think it turned people more skeptical of the government than ever before. I've had mm -hmm. so many liberal friends say to me, like, it validated everything that you've been saying for years. So just the general skeptic skepticism of government as a problem-solving entity is at an all-time high. You have the, the Republicans finally have broken their fever of interventionism, and you have the, the population is less militant. Uh, you have more school choice. Uh, yes. yeah. Reinhold, we saw a 24% increase in homeschooling in North Carolina this week. Or this month, uh, you yeah, with a three percent decrease in the public schooling. So, someone someone that was asking to help get help from math on that. But I think the point is way basically way. look at be homeschooled all of the ways that liberty is winning just over the last decade. And what you always have to remember is that government is a lagging indicator. Yeah. I I have not seen anybody other than one weirdo wearing a mask at Target yesterday over the last yeah. month. I had to go pick up Reagan at the airport last night, and everybody's wearing masks because they mandate it. It's mm -hmm. the only federal government building I've been in, and mm -hmm. everybody's wearing a mask because the government is a lagging indicator. We talked about this at the beginning of COVID. Private businesses were doing their own shutdowns, yep. and they were doing it effectively, and they were doing it two weeks before any government shutdowns took, you know— at a point in time where where voluntarily staying home to slow the spread actually meant something, you know, and not now, right? Uh, so government is a lagging indicator of where the culture is going. And as millennials and Gen Z start to take over, it's going to become more and more libertarian as we are seeing in education and drug the drug war and various. It's just the government hasn't gotten that memo yet, Harry. Right. Yeah. And. You could also the the best thing is like is to the as marijuana legalization has started and well cannabis legalization has started going through the U.S. You have watched people like watch different models of failed implementation and good implementations, and a lot of the states are really like realizing that they almost have to gauge the market price of what it is like on the on the quote unquote black market before they give it to legal because they realize if it's too much more than that, no one will go for their legal stuff. Yeah, and they won't get the tax revenue for it. So, yeah. So they also they so they want to tax it and they want to put these regs on it, but they understand that there's that balancing act. It's like, well, if you make it too offensive, it's like no one will buy your stuff and they'll buy it off the street. You know, it's I think Michigan had that problem too. You know, Michigan was having that that massive problem, or like mm. even Canada when they were they realized they couldn't the awful rules they put in place, they realized they couldn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> you mean that they're putting laws in place that might affect the free well, market of setting price points on on product or something Correct. I know, yeah. it's weird 
Correct. That yeah. a, a free market capitalist society would do that. Oh, wait, it's crony capitalist. I'm sorry. It's, yeah. No, it's no, 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 no. Crony capitalism is a capitalism. Those cronies, they can have the term capitalism. I like regulated markets and regulated by the, the people who use the marketplace. Well, that's a nice Orwellian tri- twist. I like that. Mm-hmm. We're going to regulate markets and it will be regulated by the people who use, by the, the, people who use the markets. Genius. Yep. Yep. All right. We're on that nugget, it. we need to end. It time is up. We're not gonna unfortunately have a three hour show today. Just an hour and a half. Um, s- special thanks to Harry and Reinhold for being here. Uh, we will see you again next week. No idea what we're talking about next week, but Harry on the seventeenth will be hosting the show. I will be taking a couple weeks off because I have two weeks vacation accidentally this July, uh, and I'm taking it because I'm the kind of tired that can't be cured by one night's sleep uh i was so the stress and fatigue of overworking myself uh i actually went and got a covid test because i thought i had covid because i was like i don't feel well and i don't i don't know it's kind of weird and turns out i'm just tired so i'm gonna take a couple weeks off this month and uh harry will be hosting the show and then we uh, have everybody coming in on the 17th for the pool party, and we're going to record a special episode with everybody in person that day as we have a little photo shoot going on. Um, but, uh, Harry, do you have any idea what you're going to talk about on the 17th yet? Not wholeheartedly. Like uh, I do like ranting about the CCP and trying to get people to – there's a lot of background information to get people up to speed. Like I kind of yeah. wanted to give a history on what is Taiwan and why Taiwan even exists because most people have no idea – why that little island over there, you know, why is it so contentious and, yeah. you know, how it got started. So very good. There's All right. Little, Go ahead. Right. Small little island over there, too, that is causing a lot of ruckus, but it's even smaller and less important. But it's still a very oh, big yeah. hot point. Correct. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here on the program. We will see you again next week.